Everything you need is already inside of you. The world would not be what it is without you. When we begin to create change within us, we begin to create change in the world around us. Your journey to becoming your best self as the whole person starts right now. Welcome to the Rise Up For You podcast. I'm Georgia Close, your host. Thank you so much for joining us today. This podcast is here to serve you and stand alongside your journey to becoming your best self. Through speaking with industry experts, authors, and amazing individuals throughout the world, we have a message to share. We are bringing you empowerment, inspiration, and strategies that you can instantly implement. Our focus is on the whole person. Research shows that the happiest people in the world, the most fulfilled countries in the world, are the ones that make time to nurture and build their relationships, their money, self-worth, career, love life, and health. When we feel great within us as the whole person, then and only then can we create positive change around us. All right, so today it's my pleasure to have Shannon Jacquard on the podcast with us. And uh, she is many things, um, and her story is quite incredible, but we'll call her for now author, innovator, and a sister. So Shannon, we always like to have our guest kind of tell the audience about themselves in their own words. Uh, Would you go ahead and do that for us? Tell us a little bit about you and what it is you do. Certainly, yes. You know, it, I often get asked, like, what am I or what am I doing? And I'm kind of in a crossroads of a position right now. So the best way to describe myself is a mental health advocate, mm. which I've been doing for the last two decades. Uh, I used to be in a more formal role where I was the CEO of NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness in San Diego. But I left about a little over a year ago to really focus on other aspects of mental health advocacy, a little broader, more into policy areas. And another one was uh, really focusing on the sibling issues. So what got me into the mental health field was my brother. And I always wanted to write a book about being the sister of somebody who had a serious mental illness and our journey, um, you know, our roller coaster of a ride and what that was like as a sister. And there's so many other siblings out there that have literally fallen apart in my arms because of the pain and trauma that they've experienced, but have had nobody mm-hmm. to talk to. So, wow. so right now, yeah, I just simply call myself a mental health advocate. Wow. 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 Um, yeah, there's a, there is quite a lot to your story and it really is a beautiful one. Um, if I may ask, what was, your aha moment when you just went, you know, from being a CEO to being a mental health advocate, what was your moment, if there is one, that just made you go, I got to do this. It's time, it's time to make a shift from the very corporate professional world to this other industry, really. Yeah, you know, I had been struggling with it for a while. So in my role, you know, everyone was telling me, um, 
what great work I was doing and how it's impacting the community, but something felt missing and I couldn't figure out why or what because uh, I had wonderful staff, we were growing, uh, everything was going well, but I knew that I needed to make a change or do something. And at the time when I was struggling with the decision and going back and forth, I wanted to have control of everything. So if I were to leave, I wanted to decide who the person would be who would take my place. And that I knew then, hmm, I'm not ready to leave if I need to maintain this level of control. And then there was a moment where I really sat down with my husband. And uh, it was right before the uh, ninth anniversary of my brother's passing And I had not been able to finish the book that I had been writing about him and I for about nine years at that point. And I said, I woke up and I said, I I need to do this. This It's my time. Um, Our kids, you know, we have our our wonderful children. They're they're still young, but they were a little older, not the infants anymore. And and I I went to my board president and said that I was going to step away. And I had this moment of relief that I felt so good. It felt like there was this weight that was lifted and I didn't need any control over what was happening next. And that's when I knew I had made the right decision. Mm. Um, yeah. There wasn't exactly this, this moment, but it was a feeling. It was just this feeling of release. It was the moment you actually took that leap of faith and, and said it out loud. Is, is that what you're kind of saying? Yes. When you knew? And I wasn't, I wasn't sad. I, I, you know, I love, I love NAMI. I love the work that I've done. I will always be one of their biggest fans, mm. but I wasn't sad about it. And I think it's because I knew I was also leaving the company in a good place with, with good support systems around it and that I could just focus on me and, and what I wanted to do next, which is really uh, talking about sibling issues and writing the book. Wow. Can we go back a little bit um, and just, can you tell us about your brother? Can you tell us a little bit about your, your story growing up and then, yeah, to where, where you, you know, right when you transitioned over to being uh, a mental health advocate from CEO, tell us a little bit about the back history. Yeah. So that definitely had a more of an aha moment. You know, there's moments in your life that, that really changed the trajectory of everything. If you have children, you know, those are very distinct moments. Um, if you, if you marry, um, you know, go to college, these are these moments. One of those moments happened for me when my brother was, at first we thought it was more of a drug and alcohol problem. And it was something our family was a little bit more familiar with. Um, you know, of course, families even today are still not taught anything about mental illness. And the first time we realized it was more than that and he was sent to a psychiatric hospital was one of those moments that I knew that my life was going to change. So my brother, he was was the typical kind of class clown. He was outgoing. He was a skateboarder. He had all these friends. And he was then diagnosed with schizophrenia at the age of 19. And Mm -hmm. this particular illness has such a high stigma on it that even without any behavioral changes, um, his friends just abandoned him just because of the name that he was diagnosed with. And in fact, my brother used to go up to people and he would say, hi, my name is Jeff and I have schizophrenia. 
And I would say to him, why are you telling them? They don't need to know. It's none of their business. And he said to me, Shannon, I want them to leave me before I start to care about them. Oh, wow. And that was, yeah. Wow. And that was a moment to me that I realized that my, my brother and I are also so different. He was an extrovert. I was an introvert. Like I could handle being alone. He loved being around people. So I actually was a marketing director at a software company and I left that company and I started a nonprofit that would provide one-to-one friendships to people with mental health challenges. Because uh, I realized that hmm. the stigma and the discrimination would be so hard. I mean, it's hard no matter what. Once you're out of high school, it's just hard to make friends anyway. Right. Yeah. But if you have, you know, it, but if you have a disability, it's that much harder. And then you have a disability with a high level of stigma, it's even harder. So that, um, wow. yeah, so that was another moment in my, my life. That was an aha. And that's how wow. I got into mental health advocacy. <sighs> My gosh. Yeah, you really are an entrepreneur, huh? <laughs> That's great. Sometimes my husband's like focused, but... You know. <laughs> yes, there's the visionary and then there's the person who typically, you know, takes the visionary's vision and puts it into play. And every now and then you find both of those things in one person, especially in the, in the professional world, it seems. But um, it's really fun to be around people like you, Shannon. <laughs> you inspire the world. <laughs> we need you guys. um okay so let me ask then so how how much older were you than your brother I was four years older so I have I have good memories of being a second mommy to him much to his chagrin at times (laughs) (laughs) but I knew best right I was the older sibling (laughs) well absolutely my goodness no one else knows best (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know. <laughs> Maybe outside of the parents sometimes, you know, but. Well, how did that, I mean, being kind of bigger sister and advocate for your brother uh, and being a married woman and a mom, how did that affect or at all, you know, did it affect your marriage and, and your other friendships mm. or relationships? Oh my gosh, yes. In fact, I when I do my talks, my presentations, and it's also in the book, I talk about this very issue around friendships and spousal issues as well. So, you know, my, my husband and I, I mean, I had the benefit of also being very much intimate in the mental health field of being this advocate. I, I know more than other siblings probably know just because of the nature of the work that I chose to do. But, uh, but I would find myself, my brother would end up in a locked facility and I'd want to visit all the time. And, and then I was working and had the family and my husband would start getting upset with me and went to kind of, you know, to me, it might seem like control, but for him it was protection. So what we did is we actually come, came up with a plan together that basically said, you know, if he saw that I was not sleeping or um, not eating, so not taking care of my physical health needs or my emotional health needs, then basically through our talk, I was giving him the permission to step in and say, hey, you are, you are not going to go visit him today. Um, you know, we're going to do some other things mm-hmm. that takes you away from the harshness of mental health. Because it wasn't just my brother, it was also the field. The mental health field is very draining as well. 
So, you know, the 24 seven of it was overwhelming. Yeah. But friendships, friendships is a very interesting issue. Hmm. When my brother was first diagnosed, I was, what was like 23. So here I have this brother who's in a psychiatric hospital. The visitation hour is literally, well, it's usually either 60 minutes or 90 minutes, depending on which hospital. It's always in the evening. So say you have a group of friends and they're all going to happy hour and Mm -hmm. your brother is in a locked facility and you're choosing between the two. So if you go and visit your friends for happy hour, you're guilty because you're not with your brother. If you go to be with your brother, you're resentful because you're not able to, to be doing things socially with friends. Right. Yeah, so it becomes this very difficult yin and yang of making decisions. And, um, you know, a lot of people, unless they've kind of experienced this, they really don't know how to help. So they kind of ignore. It's the same thing actually with siblings that have passed away. You know, you don't know uh, what to say to your friend that's grieving. So it's just not talked about at all. Oh, well, and it's yeah. much Yeah. And I, I, honestly, it's much better to talk about it. In fact, um, you asked, one of the questions that I saw was, what is one of the golden nugget comments? Yeah. And my thing, my thing to my staff, my thing has always been communication is the key which is so simple, mm, yes. but, you know, but it is because if you don't communicate, like if I didn't communicate to my friend, my need for them to support me or to talk about Jeff or, you know, maybe even come with me to a visit, um, then they wouldn't know what to do and they would make certain assumptions. Same with my husband. If we didn't have that talk, he would just get angry. I would get angry with him for controlling what I felt was, was controlling me. Uh, same with my staff. You know, communication is so important because otherwise we're left up to our, our own minds and assumptions and stuff. So, yeah, friends and spouses is, is an interesting water to navigate when you have a loved one who is um, who's not healthy. I That is a whole web and treehouse of of things you said right there with communication and friendships and relationships of all kinds. It's um, yeah. I I think that's something that probably most of us and a lot of our audience hasn't really experienced as much. I think um, disability is, it is common. I think it's for Americans in America. I think it's one in seven people struggle with a disability of some kind. Um, and I mean, in like you said, a lot of us aren't even as involved as you are by a far stretch. So I would think you're kind of a communication expert <laughs> and kind of a relationship expert at the same time. You've had a lot mm-hmm. of experience with some very difficult walls to climb. Um, so I, I feel like something really valuable that we could learn from you is in all of that time, have you learned anything um, that you can kind of summarize for us regarding, you know, what, what is the thing that you now look for in a friendship, in a relationship, mm-hmm. knowing what you know, having realized what's important, having realized who's a real friend, 
Um, and even, you know, with your husband, you're obviously not looking for another husband. Um, so maybe you can't speak into the love side of it. You guys have been married for a long time, but how, yeah. What's important in relationships, knowing what you know? You know, um, I have, I have, I have some great friends today, but I have this one friend, uh, who, who's just been by my side through, through everything. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you a perfect example of, of what she did that what I would really hope other people would see in friends. Um, so you, um, people might not be in the same place, but my husband and I had been trying to have children for a while. And I think the stress over losing my brother, cause this was after he had um, been killed. Just, I just couldn't seem to get pregnant. And when I did, I would miscarry. So it was, it was a really rough time. And I had other people in our lives, other friends that would get pregnant and it became, you're happy for them, but you're emotional for you. And I had this one friend who, who got pregnant, but instead of just blasting it out or just giving me a call, she took me out to a coffee shop and she, she sat me down and she was, and I'm almost getting emotional over this because the way she, she told me. Uh, was just so gentle and so sweet. And it was, even though it is a wonderful thing that you would assume it's about her, it's, it's nothing is just about her or in a friendship. It's about both of you. So here she's, she's pregnant with this wonderful uh, girl that's the same age as my daughter, actually. Because it turned out that a few weeks later, I actually got pregnant. Oh, wow. But I don't know, you know, who knows? It could have been the way that she handled it and the sat, she sat me down. Um, and she let me cry. Not that I was sad for her, but it was an emotional thing that I got a relief. And then within a few weeks, we got pregnant and our daughters are nine days apart today. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. That's a quality woman right there. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. That is beautiful. That is really beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. It's I mean, I think what I hear you saying in that is friends and relationships that will take the time to consider all of you, your hurts and your joys and your history, and then engage with you in such a way that makes those things come to life, you know? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So it seems like there's a lot of, with mental illness, of course, there's a stigma, like you said, there's a lot of labeling that probably goes around all of these subjects. Um, can you maybe speak into or give a couple examples of how that affected you when you sensed the stigma about your brother? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You know, and that's, a hard one too, because we're kind of, and I think this is a big thing in America is we have this kind of box personality. Everyone has to fit in this perfect kind of cube. And one of the things that my brother's behaviors that could be noticeable at times was that he would start laughing for no reason. Hmm. And I'm never, I'm not really sure what it was, but I, when we were alone, I didn't really care because at least he was happy, you know, he was laughing. But if we were out in public, so if we were at like a movie theater and he would laugh at a time where it wasn't really funny, 
or we were mm-hmm. um, out to eat and he would laugh. You know, I would just cringe because people would start looking and wondering why he was doing this. And then I'd feel guilty. Like, why am I getting upset? It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you know, you're just, but then you're, you have your own stigmas. And then, um, unfortunately, I'm sure my brother had his own as well, just because we just naturally raised with these kind of issues. In fact, we couldn't watch anything on TV without there being some sort of negative comment about mental illness. And one time, Jeff, he, he was at a hospital and this provider, so one of the staff members, uh, walks by us. I was with my parents and says, I have to get out of here before I turn as crazy as all these people. So oh, like, goodness. Yeah. Ouch. And then when my brother passed away, this man came up to my dad and said, well, you've been dealing with him for so long. Aren't you glad it's over? Wow. So so there's a stigma that's like, well, his life wasn't worthy because he had a mental illness. So these are, you know, and I don't know that I can say that that I have dealt with them very well other than trying to throw myself into making changes and, mm-hmm. and helping people to understand what mental illness is and what it isn't. Uh, Cause there's a lot of misconceptions about it as well. So there's a lot of stigma and unfortunately studies have shown that it hasn't gotten better yet. What has gotten better though is the number of people with mental illness that are, are now talking uh, and really getting out in social media, um, you know, just getting their voices being known now. So that, that hopefully will start making a difference. Wow. Yeah, actually, that's perfect. Um, I want to ask you about this. Let's jump into the power section here. Uh, okay. The book that you mentioned, um, can you tell us about this book that's made a big impact on you um, that you would recommend to us? Yeah, I, I didn't know if I had already shared a book with you guys or not, but there's this one book that, that I love, um, which gave me permission to write my story actually. And it's by this Dean of law at USC. Her name is Ellen yes. Sachs. Yes. And yes. the book is, okay, great. And the book is the center cannot hold. Yes. And she, yeah, tell us. she's just, the book is awesome. She is awesome. Um, so she's the Dean of law, like I said, at USC she has a schizophrenia, which nobody knew about until she wrote this book. Mm. And in fact, after she wrote the book, she was discussing, because she does a lot of speaking engagements, that parents were trying to take their kids out of her class. She had been a professor there for decades without anybody knowing. So, so but her book is so poignant. It's so, it talks about, um, it's really raw. It talks about her journey, her, her trauma, her survival, uh, it talks about how she kept everything from her parents and her brothers because she didn't want them. She didn't want them to have the pain that basically I experienced as a sister, as well. And she talks about there's there's beauty and pain as well. Um, but basically, that she's this amazing survival over this journey of time. And her book gives hope to so many people because you know a lot of times. I mean, we had this one psychologist that told my parents that my brother's brain was like a string and that it had been cut and therefore could never be put back together again. 
meaning his life was over. And here you've got Alan Sachs, same diagnosis, you know, is this amazing professor um, and has written this book. And it, she didn't sugarcoat it. She didn't make it sound like, you know, her life was easier or anything like that. But it has so much hope in it. And, you know, hope, hope can be there forever. The only time hope dies is when the person is actually gone. But otherwise, it should be there and should be reinforced. And, and she does in the book. Yeah, I did. A, when, you, when you sent us over that book, I, I looked it up and was pretty surprised myself just going, wow. Somebody that has gotten such a diagnosis is a professor of law at one of the highest ranked schools in the U.S. And, you know, that, yeah, it was incredible to me. So it also speaks to the power of probably the support that you guys provided, you know, to your brother and what's possible when you have the right people around you and the right mindset. So... Yeah. And, you know, she does talk about that. She talks about the healing process and, and the the therapist that was with her, that was amazingly with her. I mean, she, she really pushed her providers hard and they stuck with her, Mm -hmm. uh, which was amazing as well. Wow. I love that. I always love those people who, you know, break the rules for a little bit and then they become heroes for it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah, I love her. She has a TED Talk, too, so if anybody wants a quick snippet My gosh, her, she's amazing. Thank you. How about uh, one quote that you live by? Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is my favorite. It is, uh, time you enjoy wasting is not wasted time. Ooh, time you enjoy wasting. Wasting is not wasted time. I love it. <laughs> I'm going to add that to mine. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, every time that I'm, I, you know, I don't think reading a book is wasting time, but I'm an avid book reader. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in our society, it's not seen as maybe productive to sit back and relax and read a fiction novel, but it's really important to me to do. And therefore, it's not wasted time. My goodness, I love that. Well, I guess you already kind of answered this question for us. Um, it's the golden nugget question here. But if you could leave, if you left the world with one message, what would that be? You know what I'll, I'll say instead of um, the communication is the key is, have you, if you've ever read the proverb about the, the man and the strawberry? Uh, okay. You know that one? I so there's don't. A man. It's, really, it's a really good one. Um, I've read different versions of it, but the bottom line is the same. There's a man, he's in a field, he encounters a tiger, and he's, you know, like anybody would do, flees and runs away from the tiger. <laughs> uh, he ends up on the edge of a, a precipitor, and I can never say that word very well, but an edge that has a vine, and okay. he's dangling on this vine. And there's these two mice that get on the vine and they start to gnaw at the vine. So he's going to fall, which is not good. He's got a tiger or he's going to fall. But he sees this strawberry on the vine and it's beautiful and it's red and it looks luscious. He takes this moment to just enjoy the strawberry. 
So I love that because it's like, no matter where you are in life and life, you know, life is hard. Let's just be honest about that. <laughs> um, you know, find your strawberry and it could be, it could be like the, my other quote was, you know, you're wasting some time, but you enjoy it. That could be your strawberry. Mm. Uh, you know, it could be seeing your kids smile today. It could be you know, coming up with a, a new recipe that you enjoyed or going out with friends. I don't know. You know, the sky is the limit when it comes to strawberries, but it's recognizing that that is a strawberry. That's so important for us in this day and age, being so busy, especially in Southern California where we're based here. It's, it's such a rigorous um, runaround and there's a million things to do and more and more, of course, people, everyone's becoming stressed out or, you know, has a 30, a, a 30, a two to 30 second time, time span for attention. And yeah, hanging out and eating those strawberries is very important. I think little by little, we're all realizing that. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, how can we stay connected to you and how can we support you? Yeah. So, um, everything is kind of just my name, which hopefully makes it easier. So my website is just Shannon Jacquard and that's uh, J-A-C-C-A-R-D.com or, you know, all my social media handlers is also just at Shannon Jacquard. It's pretty easy to find me wherever. And then my book will be released April 9th. So if anybody's a sibling and just my, my husband explains it the best because it's a mixture kind of of a memoir and a self-help, but it's not a self-help. And what my husband describes it as it's like um, two friends uh, talking over coffee. So it's a really, it's a companion novel to help any sibling who's kind of been through this before uh, know to know you're not alone in it. So it'll be out April 9th. And what's the name of your book? Ah, yes. It's called The Forgotten Survivors. The Forgotten Survivors. Okay. Great. All right. Well, last but not least here, um, we are, the name of our company is called Rise Up For You. What comes to mind when you hear those words? Rise Up For You. Jeez. It's such a, um, a beautiful phrase. It's, it's about yourself and rise up for you. Gosh. I could take that in so many different directions, like um, like back to my quote, the time between wasted means you're taking care of yourself, your emotional needs. Uh, you know, I'll say for me, it's, it's recognizing those aha moments in my life and actually taking action on it. Amen. <laughs> yeah. yeah self, self-care is very important, especially when you have a lot of people depending on you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Shannon, for talking with us and for sharing a little bit about your book. Um, so, so appreciated. And it's so wonderful to talk with you today on the podcast. Uh, you too. You too. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Have a wonderful night. You too. Okay. Thank you for joining us today on the Rise Up For You podcast series. 
We're here to serve you and inspire you to become your best self so that you can live a life that you are proud of. If you haven't already, head over to our website, riseupforyou.com, and explore through all that we have to offer. Don't forget to subscribe while you're there for exclusive materials sent to you weekly, and also subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and any other major podcast channel. Join us for our next episode, but until we meet again, rise up for you, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater you tomorrow. Tomorrow.